Thank you. It is a pleasure to be with you today. I want to thank you for being a church that believes in the Acts 1-8 commandment that you are reaching your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth through your giving and through your reaching out. And I want to thank you for that. I want to thank the for I want to I want to give a congratulations to the seniors. There's a verse in Colossians chapter three, verse twenty-three, which has been one of my my verses for my entire life. It says whatever you do, so that pretty much covers everything. <laughs> whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it heartily unto the Lord. So I challenge you with that. And thirdly, I want to thank this great youth choir, folks. It's a blessing. It is great to see youth that are using their talents for the Lord. And I, I appreciate being here and just being a part of that. So I would like for you to turn to Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look back for a moment and a little bit on some of the verse chapter 17 and, and 18. But I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that you really were frightened? And please don't answer it, but think about it, okay? When was the last time that you were completely frightened or scared to death? A few years ago, I did my daughter's wedding. Her name is Shanna. And um, she married a young man that was in my church. And I led him to the Lord, baptized him, and then I got to do the wedding. And after the wedding, they went on a honeymoon to Hawaii. They were staying in a little bungalow, and one night, I'm sure my daughter wondered what in the world she had gotten herself into, but Aaron reached over and placed his hand over her mouth and whispered in her ear, there's somebody in our bungalow. As she's telling me that this after she comes home from her honeymoon, he then proceeds to say to Shanna, on the count of three, I want you to flip on the light, and I'm going to grab the flashlight over here, and I'm going to get who's ever in this room. I want you to know at that point I wondered who in the world I had given my daughter's hand to. But she was obedient, and then on the count of three, as he was whispering in his, his ear, her ear, he got to three, and she flipped on the light. He grabbed the flashlight and went tearing around the room, trying to figure out where this man was that was non-existent. Okay? But she did say, Dad, when, I, when he first clamped his hand over my, my mouth, I thought, what in the world have I gotten into? And it scared me to death. Okay, all of us have had times when fear has gripped us, physical fear. But today I want you to really think about something, not physical fear, but do we fear God? In Genesis chapter 22, you begin to see a passage about Abraham. But I want to go back just briefly and talk about little bit of the pronouncement that, yes, Sarah and Abraham were going to have a child. 
In Genesis chapter 17, verse 15, it simply says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her, and I, and I will bless her, and she will become nations, kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham catch this, fell on his face, and laughed. Said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? So Sarah, Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child. And so we see God coming to them and saying, you will receive a child. You go to chapter 18, and then with verse 9, you'll begin to see again that three men come to Abraham. And it says in verse 9, they, state, they said to him, where is Sarah your wife? And he said, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening, catch this, at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advancing years, and the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am, after, me, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have this pleasure? But they did. God said to them, I am going to give you a son. And this son is going to be called Isaac. So we come to chapter 2, I mean 22. And literally we begin to see that this child has been born. And God is going to test Abraham. Look at chapter 22, verse 1. It says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. If you flip over to verse number 12, He then, in verse 11, says, But the angel of the Lord called to him after he had prepared Isaac and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this passage. I thank you for the fact that here was Abraham. He was your servant. You'd given Abraham and Sarah a son. And then you say this to Abraham. And at the end, you say, do not lay your hand on the boy. Do not hurt him. For now I know that you fear me. Father, thank you for this passage. In your name I pray. Amen. I want you to really think about this today, folks, because I believe that a lot of times when we talk about the fear of God, 
We literally talk about an attitude. We think about an attitude. In fact, if you look at the dictionary, it talks about fear being a reverence. We reverence the Lord. We bow down to Him. We love Him. But in this passage, I think there are some characteristics that we can draw from Abraham. Some characteristics that we can draw from Abraham. And the first one I want you to see is that if a people love God, fear God, there are going to be times when people do not understand you. Okay? If you fear God, there will be times that the people around you will not understand you. If you're beginning to look at this passage, if you look at verse 3. So Abraham has been told what to do. In verse 3 he says, So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place for which God had told him. And on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Now folks, this Abraham was, was a, a person of sacrifice. This would not have been the first time that Abraham had gone to sacrifice. They were a nation that sacrificed. And so God calls Abraham and he says, I want you to do this. He arises, he gets everything ready, the donkey, he gets the, the wood, the fire, he gets everything that is necessary. He calls his young men and they begin to go on this journey. And he's going to sacrifice. Can you imagine the young men that went with him? Has Abraham um, lost it? I mean, here's the donkey. Here's the wood. Here's the fire. Where is it? Okay. Where is it? But as he goes further into this passage, if you look at verses 6 and 7, it says very simply, And Abraham took the word of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took his hand, took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they both went up together, and Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, where's the lamb? Isaac's got this. He knows what's supposed to be done. And he says to his father, Father, I have the wood. There's the fire. The knife, I don't understand. Folks, there are times in our lives, if we fear God, the people around us, whether they are believers or unbelievers, will at times wonder what has happened to us. They will not understand. 
If you've not had that situation in your life, then I'm concerned about you a little bit. Okay? When I graduated from seminary, I came back from, from Fort Worth, Texas, after pastoring for, for a number of years. I came back, and I ended up being a bivocational pastor. And I teasingly said I was a banker by day and a pastor by night. Because I worked in one of the big ta- banks in downtown Denver. I was, I was the accounting head. I did that because I needed money. I was bivocational. The, pa- the church could not pay me everything it took to live. The bank literally said this. We want to put you in our management position. And it was like, please don't. I really, really, really am just here to have some money to feed my family. I didn't say that to them. So they put me in the management position, and I was there for a couple of years and learned everything there was about banking. And then they came to me after a couple more years, and they had just purchased a bank in Breckenridge, Colorado. And they said to me, Doug, we want you to go become the president of this bank in Breckenridge, Colorado. I thought, cool. Okay? But about two weeks before that, this little tiny church in Windsor, Colorado, of 22 people, 22 people, had called and said, we'd like to consider you as our lead pastor for our church. Will you, will, you allow, will you pray about it and do whatever? And I did. And so we've gone through two weeks now, and the bank says this two weeks from now on Monday, you need to step into the president's office and give us your answer. And on the Sunday before that, I went to view of a call to this church of 22 people, okay? And I preached. All 22 people voted yes. And they said to me that they could pay me $17,500. Now that was a long time ago, folks. But $17,500 was still not a whole lot at that point. Okay? But we felt God calling and we accepted the call. So Monday came went to the bank, went into the room with the president, the chairman of the board, the vice presidents, et cetera, et cetera. And I proceeded to tell them that I would not take their position. And by the way, I'm resigning. I'm giving my two weeks notice. This is what the chairman said. If we're not paying you enough, we can raise it. You know, that wasn't the, the situation. I told them what I was going to do, and they literally looked at me like I was insane. Folks, if you fear God, there are going to be times that God will, will ask you to do something in your life. And the people around you will not understand. 
Have you had that happen? If not, I'm concerned. The second characteristic I want to give to you is simply this. If you fear God, you will be obedient to God's wishes. Again, in verse number 2, Jesus comes after he calls Abraham and says, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Look at verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He did not dilly-dally, folks. He did not get up and say, Well, that Sarah must have given me some bad mutton last night. Because that's why I had this, this vision or whatever. God said to him, you do this. And he arose early in the morning and became obedient. Folks, if we are to fear God, and this is not a fear of trembling, if we are to fear God, then we will obey what He says to us. If you look at verse 9, it says, When they came to the place of which God told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Do you, do you, do you catch the obedience? I mean, he got there. He didn't... He, I'm going to use the word dilly-dally. I know that's not a spiritual word, but he didn't. He built the altar, laid the wood on it, bound Isaac, laid him on the altar. Folks, if we fear God, we will be obedient to what he asks us to do. I had no, I did not want to be a pastor. It was not my desire. My desire was simply to be a college basketball coach. And God said, no. And I want you to know, I did not fear God for a while. I argued with God. I know none of you would do that. Okay? None of you, you're more spiritual than me. You fear God more than me. But I want you to know, if you fear God, you will be obedient. When He asks you to do something, you will obey. And if you haven't, then folks, I'm not sure you fear God. Thirdly, if you fear God, you will be intimately acquainted with your God. Okay? You will be intimately acquainted with your God. Look at verse 1. 
After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! What did he do? He said, here I, here I am. I mean, he didn't have to call Abraham three times, four times, five times. He didn't have to hit him over the head with, you know, the proverbial two by four, whatever the case is. He just said, Abraham! And Abraham said, here I am. I mean, there's no... There was intimacy there, folks. There was intimacy between Abraham and God. When, some, when you are intimate with somebody in your life, they can come to you and they can call your name and you will say, yes. You fill in the blanks on who that person is. When my son calls me, and I know the cell phone says, Brian, I know that. But even if the, the cell phone did not say my son's name, he would only have to give one word, and that word was pops, and I would know who that was. It's my son. We're intimate. It's scary. He's been alive for 40 years. I can't have a son that old. But I know him. He knows me. On Tuesday of this week, we are going on a father and son outing, and we're going to be gone for five days, and it's just going to be him and me. I can't wait, folks. I can't wait for money to get over. Because it'll be such an amazing time of, of just him and me, intimate. He, Ad, Abraham knew God. If you look at verse 11, again, and I know this is the angel in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him, Abraham, and from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. It's a good thing he was intimate because what was he about to do? Plunge the knife. Are you intimate with your God? If you're not, you haven't spent enough time with him. You haven't learned enough about him. haven't sung praises like we did today. Get to know him. Fourthly, last characteristic. A person who fears God will live with open hands. Folks, look at verse 12. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son. You know what that word in Hebrew means, withheld? It means that you have not 
white-knuckled him. You've, you've, you've opened your hands. You've opened your hands to my desire. Because if we fear God, we are not going to hold on to our things tightly. Folks, this is tough in America. I'm going to be honest. We have a lot of things. When I was pastoring, not very far from here, at the end of one of the services, a young man walked the aisle, grabbed me by the hand, and said, Pastor, I am being called to missions. We talked, we prayed, I shared with the people of the church, we gathered around him and prayed for him. It was, it was, it was an amazing celebration. Okay? Monday came. That's the knock on my door. I opened my office door, and there was this young man's mother in tears. Pastor, I'm so awful. I don't want him to become a missionary. Let me give her you a little bit of her history. Single mom. Husband had left. Only child. It was just him and her. Don't, don't be judgmental. It was a struggle. Her support system was leaving eventually. We prayed, we read scripture, we talked, we prayed some more, and she left. Two weeks later, I opened my door and there was mom. She walked in, no tears, and this is literally how she walked into my office. Father, I mean, Doug, she said that to the father earlier, but Doug, I am giving my son to whatever God desires in his life. Do you see my hands? Do you see my arms? This is literally how she walked into my office. I'm not holding on. I'm not white-knuckling. I am giving him to God. Folks, I don't know 
what you might be holding on to. It may be a child. It might be some possession that is really more important than God. And God may literally be saying to you, you need to, you need to give that. You need to give that to me. Or you need to give it to what I asked you to give it to. Okay? If we're going to fear God, folks, we cannot hold on. We cannot white-knuckle our stuff. We need to be open-handed. As we come to the conclusion, I want you to understand that really the word fear God is not a just a reverence. It's not just to honor him, to respect him, to hold in awe. Literally, folks, fearing God is not, it's much more than an attitude. It is an action. James chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, very quickly. It's talking about this same passage. You don't need to turn to it, but it talks about this same thing, but in James. And Abraham was considered righteous for what he did. English Standard Version says for what work he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. Do you fear God? I think many times we do want to just think of it as an attitude. But it's more than that. Let's pray.